the Provoke Media Intersection series brought to you by Provoke Media and Praytel with production support from Marketeers. Hello everyone, welcome to the Provoke Media podcast. Uh, this is Arun Sudharman. Very happy to be joined today by two people from Ogilvy PR in China, Zhou Yu, who is president and head of Ogilvy China PR, and Simon Webb, who is a senior vice president at Ogilvy PR in China. And we're going to be talking to both of them about a very uh, important, I would say, and topical issue, uh, looking specifically at how Chinese companies are navigating the challenges they are facing when it comes to going outbound, when it comes to their international communications needs, when it comes to telling better stories to a global audience and of course trying to do that um, during a a somewhat complex era at least in terms of geopolitics. Um, So let's start there Uh, and and Joe maybe if I could start with you. What, What changes are you seeing in terms of how Chinese companies are trying to go global bearing in mind the current environment? Thank you, Arun, for having us. Um, it's great to be here uh, to share our uh, two cents. Um, regarding your first question, what we are seeing, there are probably three changes that we are seeing. First of all, the, we think mm-hmm. the emergence of a global Chinese brand has happened really, really fast. I think you know, over the, the last two years, more and more Chinese companies are confident and positive to pursue a global or at least regional coverage of their products and services. And we can see that trend um, coming from uh, the news business leads into our companies. And second, these brands Mm. are emerging in areas that many did not expect. Um, Let me give you an example. Three years ago, I, I bet many people outside of China would not expect that a Chinese social media video platform would be the hottest property for the global youth. And to be honest, it is ju- not just the social media, mm. it is also consumer tech, mobile phones, white goods, even fast fashion, automotive, and e-commerce native brands. There is a confidence and an expectation that a success is all possible. Third, mm. we think that Chinese okay, companies going yep. global are firstly um, product and service led. So building a product or service that delights the consumers while such experience will lock in consumers. And this can be easily understood as they are chasing quarter by quarter mm. market share or margin or revenue growth. On the other hand, we are also seeing a mindset change. There are Chinese brands starting to invest both brand and product together. Especially, they will start their brand building Mm -hmm. efforts after they get some traction in the market. And they seem to be willing more than ever to build uh, brands. So taking one of our social media media video platform client, for example, um, our office across China, South America, and North Africa have 
been working together since mm. the beginning of the year and have already been delivering a few brand campaigns for the client in their respective markets this year. Too. So in mm. summary, I think moving fast, emerging in a variety of areas and being mindful about brands are the changes that we've seen in the past mm. two years at least. Mm. Okay, interesting. Um, Simon, did you want to add anything to that? I would just want to, to reinforce the, the point that Joe is making about these brands being product and service led. You know, that they're, they're not yet in the majority of cases really brand centric. They're not about trying to build a, a, a halo around uh, their company that allows or that, that, that gives consumers the confidence to, 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 buy the, to buy products or services. What they're really doing is making sure that what they've designed, what they've built really scratches an itch, really deliver, delivers uh, service at a, at, at a price point. And it, you know, it's, it's all about making sure they have a value proposition that really targets consumers rather than necessarily trying to, to do um, the sort of longer, longer lead work around building a, building a brand image. And you know, we, we know that's that's a probably second order priority for them at the moment. Um, they're, they're really trying to gain toeholds in a, in a range of very competitive markets around the world. Interesting. Do, you, do either of you see any impact uh, in terms of the geopolitical situation, in terms of the international media environment, and just in terms of the, um, the kind of image, perhaps, that Chinese companies might have around the world? Thank you, Ami. Um, I probably will take the, the first question. And I'll leave the uh, Simon to the international media mm-hmm. environment because uh, he's definitely our uh, specialist in that area. Um, I, I want to say that, first of all, Chinese companies, to me, they seem to be quite resilient to any external changes. Um, and as, as Simon and I just said, for those um, mm-hmm. companies who are product or service led, um, the demand remains strong as where the product is from matters less than how it, how well it performs. So consumers choose choose things mm-hmm. that um, delights them and satisfy them and cares less about where it is from, uh, at least on the consumer side. Mm-hmm. And second, um, there's a, a, apparently a significant regional variation. I mean, many Chinese companies are putting their focus mm-hmm. Um, South America, Southeast Asia, and Africa, mm-hmm. where their value proposition fits pretty yeah. well in those markets, and where the so-called barrier or environment, a barrier is low or the environment is much more friendly. We are also seeing more collaboration mm-hmm. with our network in these regions for our clients. That's my two cents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, Simon? Well, in, I was just going to say, in terms of the, the international media environment, it's a, it's a sort of slightly different story, or it's, a, you know, it's affected by different factors. Um, we don't have official figures, but we know that the number of foreign journalists in China that cover China is down significantly by perhaps, say, a third at the moment. And because you've got uh, fewer people and you've got a no shortage of sort of big geopolitical news, it means that there are fewer 
people, fewer journalists available to cover the sort of China going out stories, to cover the mm. the 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 more interesting human centered stories around what businesses are doing and how they're targeting consumer needs. Um, so what happens is that you know to the extent that China news is being written, it's really focusing on these big geopolitical trends. You've got the narrative in relation to Chinese brands going out is often about how these brands are going head to head in some sort of zero sum competition with their international peers. It's framed against these broader geopolitical tensions rather than in the in terms of um, uh, businesses going out and developing new products targeted at specific, you know, interesting new audiences. Um, it you know it, it's very hard for I think. Uh, for these Chinese brands going out to 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 have their voice heard and heard in a way that uh, isn't preordained in terms of where where the coverage might be coming from or where the where the, the reader and the writers are coming from. Yeah, it's uh, certainly something I've noticed is um, the, the 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 decrease, the decline uh, in stories about China Inc. Um, and its kind of global ambitions uh, tends to be focused nowadays on one or two of the usual suspects and in particular it's always framed around conflict um, and you know difficulties and risk rather than as you pointed out Joe no doubt there's enormous progress being made by many Chinese companies in you know regions which perhaps are uh, are, are less fashionable from a from a kind of media perspective um, but for as long as I've been covering uh, this industry uh, and, and this region, there's been this question mark that both of you have alluded to already, which is um, which is around Chinese companies taking their brands more seriously um, as they expand globally. Uh, we know that they take product and see service very seriously, and, and, and we can see the benefits of that. Um, but... What do you think needs to change if um, if Chinese companies are to actually build genuine global brands? Do they need to? And and if so, what what are the challenges that need to be overcome? Simon, would you like to comment on that? Joe, do you want to take that first? And I'll, okay. Yeah, sure. Look, I I think part of it is just about where they are on a sort of uh, expansion trajectory, right? Like in in terms of the pathway. I, I think that um, there's a, a preference to expand to to move to these markets and to try and to attempt to gain market share first. Um, and to do that, you focus on uh, sh you, you focus on a range of short-term plays around price, around product, um, around position. Try do, doing your best to actually get into consumers' hands, get in front of their eyeballs, um, and that doesn't necessarily revol revolve around uh, a need to bigger build big a build build a big brand in the short term. Um, over the medium to longer term, once you've established yourself or once you're trying to make better quality uh, revenue out of these markets, what the way to do that is, is to build a brand because then you start to be in a position to charge a premium, you start to be in a position to command loyalty, you have to spend less time constantly uh, fighting off um, your peers on a sort of daily basis uh, and you, you're, on a, you're in a different position in, in, in that sort of adoption uh, trajectory. 
the, 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 I think the reality is that just now they're, they're not at that point in, in a lot of cases in a lot of markets. Um, I mean, and we shouldn't forget that it wasn't, it really wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, I, I remember four or five years ago had, talking to, to journalists and to, you know, people in consulting firms and, and other places saying, can Chinese, can Chinese businesses ever compete and can Chinese business, businesses ever get past the stigma of the made in China label, which was always going to, always going to be around lower quality and um, lower levels of reliability. I, I'm not sure at all that that's the issue with, with Chinese brands today, and we, we're talking a very short time frame. So I, I, I think it's really a question of when, not if, Chinese, uh, Chinese companies can build um, these bigger, uh, better known, better trusted, better loved brands. Um, but I, I think it's also, and the, the issue is about, it's not yet in the business plan. One, one other thing, and maybe Joe might be better place to talk to this than me because you know I've only really been in and around China for the last 10 or 15 years and his experience is deeper than that but it would be one of my observations that even within China in a lot of cases um, companies are often very product portfolio first rather than they are brand first if you think about say how um, the big car companies like somebody like uh, Volkswagen sells their cars here they set, they focus very much on pushing the Jetta, pushing the Passat, pushing all of the different models, rather than trying to build an overall halo around the Volkswagen brand. And um, you know that that's quite a common uh, approach across um, a range of organisations. So I, I think it's also partly driven by experience of what works in this market being taken outside. Uh, but Joe, you, I'm sure you have some thoughts as well. Yeah, thank you, Simon. Um, I just want to share um, two points. One is um, from the uh, agency perspective, um, you know, Ogilvy used to work, you know, myself, Simon and I work with many multinationals um, and for their China, China business. One thing that we did a lot is to help our Chinese companies to explain what a China market looks like to their global headquarters and also to explain why some of the cultural nuances is important in uh, uh, doing the journey to build um, their brands in China. So that, that is actually um, the same situation with Chinese companies going global. I mean, they, the, our, our clients sitting in China trying to make the global decisions, and they are also learning what exactly the, the their markets look like, and that's where the agencies and our especially our networks across the regions can help help our, our clients understand. But that process may take a little bit long longer than expected, because um, because uh, multinationals have been through that journey for many many years. So there's a process or mentality to adapt different cultures in regions. Second, yeah, second is the, um, in terms of PR, I think um, because the media environment uh, is, a, is different, it's a little bit different here and outside of China. So um, we're actually building um, the, um, the, 
building their um, sense and knowledge and also acceptance of um, not to be overly sensitive about criticism, right? And sometimes, but some of the clients that we are working with are very eased about that, about this. They, they even welcome some criticism in, in a healthy way. Um, however, um, that is also takes some time for our, you know, for Chinese companies to get used to. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. And, and you know, sometimes the criticism is unfair, let's be honest, right? Um, but you would, it's it's interesting because you, you, I always find when you talk to business leaders, as opposed to politicians, let's say, um, they they seem far more comfortable with, with criticism. Um, and, you know, that it's kind of the price of, of doing business to an extent. Um, do you see any changes that need to be made in terms of... Um, how companies are structured, perhaps, you know, is, is communications and brand given uh, enough uh, priority and relevance within companies compared to um, maybe the previous situations where, you know, sometimes you would see it reporting into sales, for example. So maybe I can um, share my point of view and Simon can wait in later. Um, I think this, I really your question is not just for Chinese companies. I think this is for all the companies right, around the world and also the big multinationals. There's a, um, first of all, um, some, some organization, there is a uh, genuine distant connection between um, this, the, you know, the, the, the senior leadership, the C-suite and, and the communications team about how uh, perception is, um, is perceived, uh, how the image is shaped. Second is, um, you're right that um, communicate the role of the communication within a company um, sh- should be elevated to a to a position where they can talk directly to the senior leadership and make a lot of um you know to be involved in lots of decisions, not only serve the marketing or sales purposes. And and third, um, communi- communications as um, is actually very key when when a, when these company when companies are trying to put efforts in brand building because that communications plays a strategic role and strategic setter at the very beginning of the brand building efforts that because that's the that sets the right path and right directions of all the efforts afterwards so i i think that is not just um the challenging or the big topic for Chinese companies, but for all the companies who want, which wants to be successful. Simon? Well, I, I'd agree, obviously. Um, and I, I think one other thing that I might mention and that I think is particularly relevant here and, and in some markets across this region is this sort of concern around, um, well, this problem around power distance and hierarchy. It's the sort of unwillingness for of comms teams um, to ask the next question or the or the the series of follow-up questions that come from when they get some instruction from on high about a particular comms initiative so oftentimes you find that maybe comms teams have been given an instruction but don't necessarily understand what sits behind that instruction which means that when they come to 
to approach an agency like us to um, execute it, we need to be to do quite a lot of the strategic work to help them figure out exactly why it is that, that they should be engaging in this campaign in the first place. There's oftentimes an unwillingness to to check with the CEO why it is that he wants to go out and have this town hall, or why it is that this message is important to him, or so on and so on. So that uh, that, that oftentimes becomes quite a a barrier to to formal uh, to, to to effective communications. And I think the the other thing that perhaps I see in see here, and in, it certainly in some other markets too, but that I, th I think it is a little bit distinctive about China is a real focus on trying to perfect and polish the communications and trying to you know to get to get to make something flawless and in that process it becomes a bit less human and a bit less authentic you know i i think we can trust um we should trust senior people in organizations to go out and talk um and do so in a more human way even if it means that they actually what they say and how they say it is a little bit less scripted and a little bit less of you know less out of the message house but more out of their hearts um I, my, my feeling is that a lot of that would, would be really quite effective in um in actually reaching any number of the audiences either it's internal audiences or external audiences i mean we, we, we know that that authenticity is really important and it can be erased by kind of draft upon draft of polishing and fine-tuning of Comms. Yeah, and again, that's that's definitely not unique to just Chinese companies because that's an issue you d certainly see with with many companies. So let's talk about. I mean, one thing we we, we are realizing, and maybe this has always been the case, but it seems to be more so the case today than ten years ago. Um, is it seems that like the distance between uh, a company and its 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 home country, its nation brand, has shrunk to a certain extent. I mean, it's it's very much brought home, I think, by let's say the experiences of Huawei, for example, um, in recent times, which I think we're all familiar with. Um, at the same time, of course, we know that China itself uh, has this goal of building uh, stronger soft power around the world. I think. I think the exact wor words were, were to make the country more adorable. Um, how important are Chinese companies to that overall go goal? Is it something that you think they do bear in mind? Um, and, and do you think they are succeeding? I don't know which of you wants to take that one. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one. Yeah. Um, well, um... I think in, in theoretically, I think a country's brands have a strong impact on the construction of soft power. Um, that is true. But um, on the other hand, many of the leading Chinese brands going global, uh, as we mentioned uh, be, uh, previously, are pursuing product and service led. And they're pretty much putting a lot of focus on utility and functionalities. I think the case you just mentioned about that uh, mobile phone company is is a special case, to, <laughs> in in our opinion. Um, so most of uh, our clients, um, at least from our side, um, they are not trading on their country of origin in most cases. So not they are not really positioning themselves as a Asian or Chinese per se. So they're 
origin is generally not a direct um, relevant part of how they choose to go to the market, but their service and products or their value propositions are. So, and then um, for the companies who have already been mindful about brand building, uh, like one of our clients, um, they deliver a sense of purpose and values that resonate the consumers in the market they are operating. So what we are seeing is they, what they are saying is not so much related to China specifically, but more commonly shared values for, for human beings or for consumers. So to, in my humble opinion, the role of these brands is less important to Chinese soft power than say some, some of the, uh, the others inputs into soft power. Yes, interesting. Um, Sorry, go on. Yeah. Go on. I didn't mean to cut you off. Please, please go ahead. And it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that um, how does China, China stories are told across the things like news media mm. or film or television or social media are not directly related to the Chinese companies, mm. except for those very special cases. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting discussion, I think, when you look at all the things that go into soft power. Um, it's something that's, I think, uh, can, can be difficult to sort of effectively control, you know, from a very kind of top-down process. Uh, but one thing you said, I think, is, is really stands out, which is that companies and brands can bring people together, I think, that people have more in common. Um wherever they are in the world then 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 they have that divides them um, and i think brands can can speak to that uh particularly at a time when let's say governments might be in more disagreement um, than they have been in the past um, but at the same time you know if you look at you know countries that that do wield strong soft power it does seem like they you know, their companies can serve as proxies for that. So I suppose the question is whether it's a missed opportunity for China to um, maybe try and leverage the power of their companies more to try and tell the, the country's story rather than relying, let's say, on, you know, things like CCTV. So, Simon, do you want that Sure, one? I mean... I. I, I can talk a little bit about that. I mean, my, my sense is, though, that th these businesses need to be successful first. Um, and as we're saying, you know, that there's this trajectory that they're on, which is not so much about uh, building a brand. Because, and what goes along with building a brand is building uh, a, a clear image in the consumer's mind about where you're from, right? Both your orientation, like whose side am I on? but also literally physically where am i from like where am i made where, where where do my where do my components come from where are my where are my headquarters um so i i think it's perhaps less about whether they whether china should leverage these companies more but it's more to do with the fact that these companies need to be successful and, and in this moment that the the brand building part of what they're doing is 
is less is less relevant. Um, so I, I think that's probably what I would what I'd say in, in in relation to that. Yeah. So it's 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 too too early, I suppose, for many of them, and it's it's not something that can be forced, perhaps. Um, mm, indeed. Yeah. It's it it is. I think it's very interesting because I, I do sometimes feel like the stories that companies can tell are, you know, very universal. Um, stories of, of entre- entrepreneurialism, of product innovation, of you, I mean, both of you know all this of, of customer needs, and they can be very effective. I think. Um, so the final question, uh, you know, obviously we we are living in in somewhat interesting times. Um, we we've seen companies having to to come out with statements on 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 this issue or that issue, depending on on whatever the the issue of the day is um it, it must make life interesting for an agency like yours i mean ogilvy of course is 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 you know probably the biggest global pr agency in china it's it's been there for so long it's got uh, a very strong um nation building capability you know i think very good insight into soft power and so on in terms of helping china uh do you find as any any specific challenges at the moment as an American company operating in that environment? Okay, uh, why, why don't I start and then uh, Joe can, can correct me or fill the gaps. <laughs> um, I, we've been in China for 30 years and I think over that time we played a really important role in terms of bridge building and improving understanding um, and really importantly this has always been in both directions both for international players who are coming in but also for Chinese players going out Um, and that's why we from the very outset have always really tried to be uh, the most local of the international agencies and the most international of the locals I think I I would make a point like that in almost every new client presentation I make because I think it's so fundamental to what they need from us and what it is that we bring that's unique and different um, compared to a lot of other agencies. I mean, that that's always been our mindset and it's always been uh, really important to us and none of that's changed. Um, it's a, that, that, has al- that has always been at the very core of what we do um, and it's just as relevant today as it was um, 30 years ago. And we've been able to be effective with that, um, both with Chinese organisations and with international ones, because we've earned their trust. Um, and how do we earn their trust? We earn the tr- their trust based on providing really good, unbiased, unvarnished advice and counsel that creates value for them. We, we don't tell them what they need to hear. Um, we tell them the things that they need that... Uh, sorry, we don't tell them the things that they want to hear. We tell them the things that they need to hear because that that's the only way for the for them to actually be successful. It's in the these tasks, either coming in or going out, are, are actually very hard to do. Um, and if you pay lip service to what it is that headquarters are asking you to do, and you don't really listen closely to local markets and uh, get very close to those local markets, you're not going to be successful. So behind closed doors, it's always been very important for us to be frank and open and honest. And we, we, we're we still doing that today, and we're still able to do that today. I don't think any of that has, has changed. And the other part, the, the, the other thing I think here is that the consequences of misunderstanding are quite high, right? Both in terms of in human terms, because we're all made off 
made worse off by a disconnected world, but also I think in terms of in terms of business, in terms of missed opportunity, this is a this is a market where yes, there are loads of opportunity, but um, it's also a market where the consequences of getting it wrong uh, are increasingly high as well. And we, we're seeing lots of lots of these sorts of barriers and um, you know penalties applied to companies both inside China and, and outside China. Um, so I, I feel that it's not so much that what we do or even the way we do things has had to change very much over this most recent period. It's more that um, it's become uh, the what's at stake has increased, right? Uh, that you know the, the the consequences for getting it right and getting it wrong are even greater. Whereas before you could kind of muddle through a little bit and everything would be fine if even if you weren't completely optimized and and you know completely on strategy. Now um, there's no <laughs> the sort of middle of the road has has disappeared. You're you you you're either safe or you're not, um, and I think that's uh, that 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 binary situation is sort of more and more apparent. Thank you. Yeah, and and a really good reminder that it it, it it's not just outbound. Obviously, it's inbound as well. It's it's just as important, and, and that should not be overlooked. Joe, did you want to have the final word? Yeah, um, I just want to say that um, I think um, Ogilvy has been a a really trustworthy partner uh, to many of um, organizations and, and company companies, uh, not just in China but around the world. So, I think we're we have. It is not um, about just like what uh, your previous question is not about where we're from. It's what is about what we are delivering. So, I think Simon is um, is correct that we're been providing um, counsel to to our clients. Um, where they need to know and what you know what um, decisions are available and what are the pros and cons so that they can make um, come out to decisions that uh, best fit them and from that perspective i think um, our role becomes even more important because we are in a um, we're in a complicated and also very misunderstood world much more complicated than and we have ever been so i'm pretty confident with um the future of our industry uh, of your me your media our role and our clients and the role of communications well good and, and that it's good to end i think on a on an optimistic note and indeed it's good to get um a, a more insightful more considered and i think uh less politicized take on uh and what the challenges are and what the opportunities are for Chinese companies as as they continue to go global. So, Joe and Simon, thank you so much for your time uh, and, and we hope to have you back on the podcast in the not-too-distant future. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aaron, for having us. Thank you for listening to the Provoke Media Intersection series brought to you by Provoke Media and Pray Tell with production support from Marketeers.